0: Hello. (laughs) My name is Nick and I'm one of the pastors here at APA. And let me tell you, I'm excited to be sharing with you this morning. I I even got a haircut for the occasion because, believe it or not, that's how I determine when to get my haircut. Uh, Seriously, I get a haircut every time I preach. So if my hair is ever looking shaggy, Don't ask me to go get a haircut. The most effective way to get that done is to talk to Pastor Dave and ask him to put me on the preaching schedule again. But (laughs) I'm not just excited to share with you because of my haircut, though that is a huge part of it. Uh, I'm excited because we're talking about our values. Now, historically, talking about church values isn't something that has excited me. At the church that I grew up in, we would do a series on church values every September. Every single year, the same four to seven sermons talking about the same topics, the same values. And let me tell you, after three years, I knew what to expect. After six years, I found that I was mouthing along with the pastor because I knew exactly what they were going to say. And after 10 years, Rachel and I would have to have a little powwow in the morning talking about and making a commitment to not fall asleep and to pay attention during the sermon. And yet here we are, it's September, we're talking about church values, and I'm excited, and I hope that you are too. You see, this sermon series is special. It's been a long time coming. When Pastor Dave arrived here at APA two years ago, uh, we started out on a journey to discover our values. And we began this incredible journey of discerning what God is calling APA to as a church. We spent time in God's presence and in prayer and discussion, and all the while trying to articulate just what we are uniquely called to value here at APA. And so after two years, we finally have something concrete for values that came from this church that speak not only to who we are, but who we are committed to becoming. And the reason that I find this exciting is that it doesn't feel like some mandate from above that I need to reorient myself toward rather it feels like finding the perfect word have you ever found yourself searching for a word or an idea and yet it's just not coming you can feel it like on the tip of your tongue or the edge of your brain and you know you know what the word is you know that there's a word you know that there's a word like like you know the the word like this like oh, it makes you laugh sounds like pickles i can't figure it out anyways you know the meaning of the word, you know the context, you know the word exists, and yet uh, you know exactly what it is to express what's going on in your head, your heart, and mind, and then four hours later, it hits you. Tickles. Tickles rhymes with pickles. That's what I was doing. That was the word I couldn't think of. See, that's what this series has felt like for me, Because we've joined together in prayer. We've spent time discerning what it is God is doing and what he's calling us to. And deep down, deep down, we know what it is. We know it in our knower. And now we get to discover the words together. And so two weeks ago, we were introduced to the first value of partnership. I see that in our church. The value in helping one another follow Jesus. The value in partnering with our community and our global workers, that's a core part of who we are, and there's room for us to grow in this as well. Partnership is one of our values. And then last week, Pastor Dave introduced us to prayerfulness. Again, this is a part of who we are as APA. We are a people of prayer, not just because we pray a lot, but because prayer is the primary orientation of our life as the church. We are committed to praying first in all things. And we know that as God works in this place, everything good is going to start and end with prayer, not just the prayer of a pastor, but the prayer of God's people. Prayerfulness is one of our values. And so today I have the privilege of introducing our third value, making room. Now let me ask you this question, what does making room mean to you? How do you make room? What is your tendency? And if you're not quite sure how to answer that question, consider this, say your TV isn't working. For some reason, the only number on the remote control that works is the number four. And so while the screen works, while the sound works, everything is functioning, you can only watch channel four, channel 44, or channel 444. But here's the thing, your favorite channel is channel five. How are you going to make, you need a new TV, so how are you going to make room for this new TV? Do you put the old TV in the gr- garage and let it collect dust for five years before selling it in a garage sale? Do you take it to the thrift store with a big sign on it that says Channel 4 Works? Do you fix it up and sell it on Facebook Marketplace? Or do you leave it there and get a fancy TV mount that goes right in front of the old TV? Believe it or not, I've actually seen that happen before. It's crazy. It's crazy. Now don't worry, your TV isn't actually broken, but I wanted to ask this question to drive home a point. There are so many different ways of making room. This value isn't as immediately apparent as our first two values, partnership, that makes sense, that's something that we do together, and prayerfulness, we did a series on prayerfulness last January, so we've got some idea of what that means, what that looks like. But my guess is that when I say making room, there are a lot of different understandings or guesses as to what this means. Does this mean making sure there are enough open seats for new people? I mean, we can sit closer together. We, I can try and lose a few pounds to take up less pew space, losing weight for Jesus. We could even ask people to come every second Sunday instead of every Sunday so that there's always room for a new person. So we could make room here. We could also make room in our calendars so that we can spend all of our time at the church, have more events, more opportunities to serve. Or is APA getting into the construction industry, literally making rooms together? That's something we could do. Like I said, there there are so many ways to interpret what making room means. And even if those specific examples didn't come to to mind for you, I would be surprised if we all had the same thoughts. Hence, why we aren't just announcing these values broadly, but instead intentionally communicating them one at a time, not as a simple sentence, but in a sermon where we can unpack exactly what they mean. And so without further ado, let's jump into what making room means here at APA. The first piece to the value making room is that we are making room for all people, that we are making room for others. So maybe some of my ideas from before apply to this. Maybe we do need to shuffle together to free up space, but I don't really want to recommend that you only come every second Sunday. That doesn't seem like a good pastoral thing to do. But before I get ahead of myself trying to figure out how we do this, what does this practically look like, I think we should ask a different question, and that's why. Why is it important that we make room for others? Well, the answer is actually really simple. We make room for others because Christ made room for us. Think about it. The grand narrative of the Bible is that God made room for us. He created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. He created a space for us to be with him in his creation. But as sin entered the world, as humans lived selfishly, no longer living perfect lives, we lost this perfect space for us to be with him in his creation. God set parameters for his chosen people, the Israelites, to get back to the place that they were created for. But time and time again, they failed. And so God sent Jesus, his only son, as a sacrifice to make a way for us. Jesus died to make room for us. Through Christ's sacrifice, our relationship with God has been restored. The door that was closed, Jesus opened it again. Jesus made room for us. But this incredible gift is accompanied by an exhortation to not just sit back and enjoy our restored relationship with God, but to share this incredible news and gift with others. This is the Great Commission, the call to make disciples of all nations, all people. And so we as a church seek to make room for all people. Now, this calling isn't unique to APA. This idea of making room is something that all Christians are called to, This is a basic Christian value. Pastor Dave has used the term permission to play to describe this kind of ubiquitous value, that it's almost less of a value and rather just part of the definition of what it means to be a Christian and to be a church, which begs the question, okay, if this is a unique value for APA, what is it that makes it unique? And so as I've spent time in prayer and preparation, three main ideas have continually come to mind. The first is making room for all people to be present. All people are welcome here. We are committed to doing what we can to make room for people to join us and be present with us in this space. If that means sitting closer together in the pews so there's an extra seat, then let's get to cuddling if that means sitting on the floor at my connect group so that there's an extra chair for somebody else to sit at, you better believe I'm going to be bringing a pillow so that my bum doesn't hurt. If that means having two services on a Sunday morning because everybody's cuddling and there still isn't room, you better believe that I'd be willing to preach two sermons, to lead worship two times instead of just one because we as a church are committed to making room for people. But you know what? it goes beyond just making physical space for people. It also means intentionally making sure that all people are welcome, that we don't set requirements for who can join us, that all are welcome, full stop. Those of different beliefs, different socioeconomic statuses, different abilities, different ages, different ethnicities, different languages, all are welcome. Because this is what Jesus did. This is what he modeled for us. This is what he was known for. Jesus spent time at the houses of sinners and tax collectors. Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman, the outcast at the well. Jesus chose disciples of extremely varied backgrounds, not the people you would expect. And he did all of this on purpose. Jesus intentionally made the point that we are to love, that we are to make room for all people. No one is excluded. Everyone is included. Everyone is welcome. Now, it doesn't mean that Jesus agreed with or affirmed the decisions and beliefs of those that he spent time with. No, he was quick to speak truth and life to them. But he was always willing to make room for those around him, no matter who they were. And he calls us to do the same, to love our neighbors as ourselves, to intentionally love those around us and to make room for them. This was actually a marker of the early church. We read this in Acts two forty-two. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's supper, and to prayer. Now we've talked about some of the other aspects of this passage already, but what I want to point you to today is that they ate together. All believers, they didn't divide up into groups based off of social status, ethnicity, age, or gender, but all believers came together and ate together. This was revolutionary. See, this wasn't a societal norm. This was frowned upon by outsiders. In a stratified hierarchy, you don't make room to share it at the same table. And yet this is listed as one of the key things that defined the early church as it grew. And Paul actually calls out the church in Corinth for failing to live up to this calling. We read this in 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen to 22. But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if you more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you are, who have God's approval will be recognized. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others, and as a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this the Corinthians are chastised for having divisions amongst themselves because they're called to live in a radically new way. They fail to make room for one another, and in doing so, they disgrace God's church and shame the poor. Now, I don't know about you, but I sure hope that Paul wouldn't say the same thing of our church. Jesus calls us to a radical new way of living. The beautiful promise of following the way of Jesus is that all are equal all are welcome there's no need for division i love what it says in galatians 3:28 to 29 there's no longer jew or gentile slave or free male and female for you are all one in christ jesus And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. It doesn't matter your ethnicity, your occupation, or your gender. Everyone has the same opportunity to belong to Christ. And in doing so, to be called the true children of Abraham. Hallelujah! See, here's some amazing news. This is something that we see here at APA. Just look around you. We have people from all sorts of walks of life, so many nationalities and ethnicities represented, so many generations represented. Not everyone in this room is a Christian. We don't all share the same beliefs, whether it's theologically, politically, or otherwise. And yet, all of you are welcome here. I'm glad that each and every one of you is here. We don't tailor our services to a particular demographic because we were intentionally making room for all people here at APA. Now, in those days of the early church, this would have been radical. Nowadays, it almost feels easy to say yes to this way of thinking. It's easy to get behind, and that's because our culture, the culture that we live in, has been informed by this Christian worldview. But here's the thing. There's another step. We don't just want to make room for all people to be present, We also want to make room for all people to contribute. Now, this was something that the early church struggled to understand. And at first, uh, there was an expectation that Gentiles or non-Jews would convert to Judaism to adopt the Jewish way of doing things. And Jewish Christians wanted Gentiles to do this in one of the most painful ways possible. They expected new believers to be circumcised. This is a major point of tension in the book of Acts, but the decision is ultimately made to not require circumcision of all new believers. Praise the Lord. If you want to read that story, it's found in Acts 15. Now, even if we aren't making rules that people need to be circumcised before they're baptized or become members or anything like that, I think we still struggle with the same heart posture that we expect others to adapt to our way of doing things. Yes, we will make room for you, but only if you do things in our way. Deep down, I think this approach is linked to selfishness, to the pursuit of my own interests. This is how I'm comfortable doing church. And so you're welcome to be present, but you need to be present in my way of doing things because, well, I was here first. Now, Philippians 2, 1-8 calls us to a better way of doing things. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, but be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus met us where we were at. He laid down his own way of doing things, his preferences, his rights, all in pursuit of us, in order to make room for us. And we too are called to take an interest in others, to prioritize others above ourselves. And I think that this means uh, having an openness to doing things differently. Now, to illustrate my point, I want you to imagine this you live in a community house with a bunch of other people. You've established a healthy atmosphere in the house. Everyone respects one another. You eat meals together on Tuesdays. You, you got together and purchased a nice couch together for the living room. Things are pretty great, but rent is expensive. And there's an extra room that isn't being used. And so you clean it up and decide that it's time to look for a new roommate. And so after searching for a while, you find a new roommate, you set up a meeting together, and you lay down all of the ground rules. Hey, we respect one another, we eat together on Tuesdays, we picked out all of your furniture and set it up for you, please don't move it because we need every room to be the same, and no decorating in the common rooms. Great, you've made room for someone new. you expect them to live within the same culture you've created while having as little impact as possible, other than monetarily, of course. How do you think that would feel for the new person you've made room for? You know, it's something that I can imagine because when Rachel and I were first married, we moved into a place that was fully furnished. And let me tell you, they had a lot of rules for how we lived in their place as well. It wasn't long before uh, it felt really draining to be in that space. It also never really felt like home because it felt like we were living in somebody else's house, not our own home. And so it wasn't long before we decided to find a new place to move into, somewhere that we could contribute to uh, the feeling of home. And so I can imagine how it would feel for the new person in this community house that while they might be thankful to have a room to sleep in and a healthy environment to live in, that they don't feel like they truly belong. Now imagine that you're making a room for someone new, but with totally different ground rules. Instead of beginning by establishing ground rules, you invite them to contribute to how the house works and functions. You quickly find out that they work on Tuesday nights. They can't do dinner then, but they'd love to on a Wednesday. You find out that they have the perfect coffee table for your communal couch, the one that you've been looking for. And you also find out that they have an ice cream maker and that they want to do ice cream Sunday Sundays. What changes in this scenario? Well, first, the new person finds a real sense of belonging. And the healthy culture that you had already established gets added to. It becomes richer, deeper, and healthier. See, this is where making room moves, moves beyond welcoming people and seeking diversity in our congregation. It's in this space that we find meaningful multiculturalism. It's in this space that we find transformative intergenerational ministry. And it's in this space that the culture of APA becomes richer, deeper, deeper. And healthier. But figuring out how to live this out is a tough one. I've been reading a book called Churches, Cultures, and Leadership that talks specifically about how to create opportunities for meaningful multiculturalism within the church. And the reality is, there's no universal right answer for how to do this, for how to make room for all people to contribute. I love how this book puts it. There's no one plan for all congregations. Rather, the Holy Spirit instructs and empowers churches to pay attention to their own formation in their cultural contexts as they embody the gospel in a specific place. We need to pray and seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit as we strive to make room for one another here at APA. And you know what? There are ways in which we are living this out. It makes me think of our summer social a couple weeks ago where we had uh, goat curry and jollof rice and we had members of our community sharing not hamburgers and hot dogs, but sharing from their cultures, enriching that time of fellowship together. It makes me think of kids takeover Sundays where we've got kids up on stage leading us in songs that they know and love from kids church, giving us a glimpse of the joy that comes with worshiping as a kid. It makes me think of this past Easter where we had an Easter choir and we sang a song from Nigeria that was specifically requested by a family from our church. See, there are many amazing moments where we as a church are making room for the incredible diversity of our community to shape the way that we live and practice together as a church. But it isn't something that we ever fully arrive in. It's a lifelong pursuit as our community and culture continues to shift and change around us. And it's an intentional pursuit that takes all of us working together. And so I want to challenge us to ask this question. How can we better make room for all people to contribute? Does it mean giving up our own preferences? Does it mean being curious about what others have to offer? Does it mean trying something new? These are tough questions to wrestle with, but they are a crucial part of what it means to be a church that values making room. Now, I said there were three ways that I've been specifically thinking about making room as being specific to APA, and so far we've talked about two of them, making room for all people to be present and making room for all people to contribute. Now, this third one is especially special to me especially special i didn't think that through making room for all people to grow i am someone who has benefited from a church that values making room for all people to grow this is a core piece of my story if you don't know me well uh, i'm a very shy person I'm the, I'm the kid that my mom dropped off at kindergarten and I sidled around the entire outside of the classroom so I wouldn't have to encounter any other human being. And yet here I am in front of four or 500 people sharing, if you saw me in kindergarten, you would never believe that I would be here. And you know why I'm here? I'm here because of my mom. I'm here because my mom noticed that as I started learning guitar, that I'd wake up early in the morning to sing worship songs, that I just loved doing it. I'd play my guitar, I'd sing, and honestly, it was probably horrible, but my mom saw that gift, that passion within me, and she invited me to be a part of our worship team. So there I was, 11 years old, sitting on stage with my electric guitar. Didn't find out until years later that they never even plugged me in, but I was there. And let me tell you, that was a transformative experience for me. I was given space to learn and grow. I had people calling out the giftings within me. I would not be here today if it wasn't for that decision. The decision of my mom, but also the decision of the church. To love on me, to support me in growing Now, this shouldn't be a surprising application of making room. This is part of what it means to help one another follow Jesus, to support one another as we grow to be more like Jesus. Ephesians 4, 15 to 16. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I love this picture. Growing together, supporting one another, working together to lift up our head, who is Jesus Christ. Again, this is something that we are seeing in our church. I think of last week and our ministry fair. How cool is that? Having having our lobby totally filled with tables of places where people can get involved in ministries, where they can volunteer, where they can learn, try things, grow. That's exactly what we're called to do. I also think about how here at APA, we've been so intentional with our internships. We make space in our pastoral calendars to sow into these young leaders. To provide space for them to learn and grow in a healthy church environment. I also think of our next generation team. I think of Pastor P- Madison and Pastor Peter and how they are developing these student leader development programs, how they're pouring into these youths, giving them opportunity to lead and learn and grow. But you know what? This isn't something that just happens by accident. Making room for all people to grow is a choice. There's intentionality behind it. It's not something that we do when there's no other option. We intentionally create space for others to grow. And there are actually two pieces to living out this value. First, you need people who are willing to grow. And my hope is that we would all identify as potential growers, that we'd each be willing to take risks and try new things that we'd intentionally seek to grow. But for many of us, that pursuit requires an initial push or encouragement. For many of us, a lot of pushes. But that's the second piece. We also have a responsibility corporately to encourage, to provide help, teaching and training, to have grace for others as they learn and grow and to celebrate well. It's never too early to encourage someone in their giftings. This can't hurt, it can only help. And so let's be a church that makes room for all people to grow. Let's be a church that makes that choice, not just once, but every single day. See, at its core, this idea of making room is about taking focus away from ourselves and instead putting it outward towards others. That's what happens when we make room for all people to be present, to contribute, and to grow. It's about abandoning our own selfish tendencies and intentionally shifting our focus outward to the other. Now, these aren't the only ways in which we at APA value making room. (laughs) It would take a lot more sermons to unpack everything. But my hope is that talking through these examples helps paint a clearer picture of what it is that we value. And to conclude our service today, we're going to take communion. And as we talked about earlier, one of the first ways that the early church practiced this idea of making room was by sharing in meals together. This practice broke down social barriers, creating a unity and equality in Christ unlike anything that had ever been seen before. So what a fitting way for us To conclude our service together taking a practical step of making room for one another as we approach the communion table together now it's interesting the same passage that we read earlier in first corinthians 11 the one that says say no to divisions you're practicing communion wrong well the paragraphs right after that are the same paragraphs that we so often use when taking communion Paul chastises the Corinthians for their divisions and says, this is how you make room for one another, by focusing on Christ and his sacrifice. By making room in our hearts and minds for God, we make room for one another. Isn't that amazing? That when we focus on making room for God, the natural byproduct is making room for each other. And so we're going to practice this today. The communion elements are available here at the front. We've also got a table up in the balcony right by the stairs there. And together let's come and receive the communion elements. So when I say go, come on up, come and grab the elements and then bring them back with you back to your seat and wait. It'll take a little bit of time, it gets messy, but we love that. It's an awesome opportunity for us to practice making room for one another, even in that way. And so while, while we do that, the worship team is going to lead us in worship. But I encourage you, come, receive the elements, and then in a moment, I'll come back and lead us in that. Go.